1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a post roster cut edition of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, it's Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of 95.7, The Game. Kyle, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm sitting here just, uh, it's been hot in Sacramento. So, has been- <laughs> it? Weird. <laughs> been sitting inside just. Just beating the heat just beating beating the heat with your air
1: conditioning must be nice
2: yeah I'm 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 just hanging out today I've been doing roster stuff all day and finally felt comfortable enough to crack open a can of wine and so I'm sipping on that and doing a podcast
1: oh a can of wine wow yeah dude it's, it sounds pretty lit over there um, it's
2: actually they call it an eco cask so <sighs>
1: Cool. Tell me, we we can talk about the tannins after after we're done recording this. But
2: good legs on this. Really good legs on it.
1: <laughs> so the Niners have trimmed their roster from ninety to fifty three. They made some preliminary cuts on Friday. No real surprises there, uh, but there were a couple eyebrow raising names, I guess you could say when when they tr- made their cuts official on Saturday. Uh, to start though, we should we should talk about some news coming. Uh, on Monday this week, that's that's pertinent to the regular season too. Nick Bosa, the number two overall pick, defensive end, Ohio State, is going to be back at practice on Monday. So the 49ers are going to have a practice Monday ahead of the season opener against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're going to have D Ford healthy after he returned to practice last week after getting treatment on his knee tendonitis with platelet-rich plasma injections. Uh, and Nick Bosa is going to be back after having an ankle sprain in early August. So. John Lynch is is very optimistic. He sounds optimistic when talking about Bosa. We talked to him in a conference call today, but he did put a disclaimer out there saying, you know, obviously being able to practice, being cleared to practice doesn't necessarily mean you're playing. And Bosa obviously has a very limited number of practices under his belt. Uh, But overall, good news for the 49ers, because when healthy, Bosa should be one of their best defensive players, even though he's a rookie.
2: Yeah, I think so. And their entire philosophy, their entire team-building philosophy has been around, well, if we just get a pass rush, then our secondary will be fine. So that's what Lynch and Shanahan have, have kind of hung their hats on. And if Bosa can't go week one, that's that's not great against the Tampa Bay offense. It might be pretty good. We'll dive into that, obviously, later in this week. But um, it's it's at least good news that he's going to be on the field Monday.
1: Yeah, The the one quick thing, And like you said, we're going to preview the the Tampa Bay game next week. But the Bruce Arians offense is very much a down the field, seven step drop type offense. And and you obviously want your edge pass rushers for that game. So having D Ford and Nick Bosa could potentially be big. Um, But let's get back to final cuts. So the headlines really coming out of final cuts on Saturday. Jarek McKinnon was placed on season ending injured reserve. So he was not given a roster spot. Uh, to go on IR with a possible return designation. He is done for the season. He will have gone two straight years on the shelf because of his knee injury. Uh, John Lynch said McKinnon's going to have another surgery. Um, Obviously bad news, not entirely unexpected news, because McKinnon has had three different setbacks this summer. Um, And the good news for the 49ers is they signed Tevin Coleman to a reasonable contract, so he's going to get... A bunch of the carries. I think Matt Breida might ultimately end up getting more playing time than Tevin Coleman this season. We'll have to see about that. Um, but I think the 49ers feel pretty good about those two, even with McKinnon out. But losing McKinnon, the guy you signed to a four-year, thirty million dollar contract with, I think it was roughly twelve million guaranteed at signing, and getting nothing out of him is obviously a blow. And it, and it goes to show you the difficulty in in paying running backs in the NFL. And and obviously any any player can tear an ACL during you know, during practice. But a, a running back, just all the all their legs have to do and, and trying to get them right coming off that injury, it can be tough. And the 49ers are learning the lesson the hard way. And I would imagine we, we're not going to see Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch invest too heavily in a running back here going forward, whether it be the draft or free agency.
2: Well, and especially with how good Kyle Shanahan and Bobby Turner are at, at churning out productive running backs when you look at Jeff Wilson, who we'll talk about a little bit later. He was, he was good last year as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Matt Brita was an undrafted free agent. And then they go out and get Tevin Coleman this offseason. And that was kind of a head scratching move at first, looking at how crowded their backfield was, but now it looks like it might be one of the best moves of the offseason uh, in the NFL, if, if Coleman's productive and the 49ers find their way into the postseason.
1: Absolutely. So the other headline uh, coming out, or I guess we got two more to to go through before we go through a a position by position breakdown of, of the 53 man roster, 2016 first round pick Joshua Garnett was released and John Lynch made a point of it today to say that it wasn't necessarily a reflection on Garnett as a player per se. It was just more of a reflection about his inability to stay healthy Um, Garnett really just I mean he dislocated a finger early in training camp that basically cost him the entire preseason save for Thursday night's game where he got extended action. Uh, He missed 2017 with a knee injury he dealt with uh, a toe and thumb injury last year he just simply hasn't been available enough for the 49ers to count on him so they went with Daniel Brunskill instead as a backup interior guy. So moving on from Garnett, a guy they probably should have never drafted in the first place because they probably should have just taken Michael Thomas, of course, the receiver that went to the Saints. Um but, you know, that ship is <laughs> You're not that <laughs> ship is sailed. Uh so Josh Garnett finally gone. Uh we can rip the band-aid off that and and the 49ers are going to start to move on from, move forward, I guess.
2: And that feels like one of those symbolic things like i know it's kind of silly because there's no way to quantify it and there's no evidence that it's going to affect anything but that felt like a symbolic move of of ridding the the team or or getting rid of one of the one of the biggest mistakes of that trent bulky tenure because like you said a player like michael thomas who you were pounding the table for during the draft i wasn't the only one either Right. And I didn't think he he would be
1: like an all pro receiver, like he's turned into. I thought he would be good, but just looking at Torrey Smith and Jeremy Curley and Quentin Patton, I thought the 49ers could have used an infusion of talent there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) They needed a receiver and they had one sitting there. So no, I I think this is one of those kind of symbolic moves that it's like, all right, you get rid of that. One of the, one of the bigger first round mistakes in, in the history of the franchise. And now you kind of move on from it. And, that's not a storyline going in. It's not, you know, are they going to re-sign Joshua Garnett? Is he going to be able to play? Is he going to be healthy? It's just gone. They can get rid of it. And like you said, they they keep Daniel Brunskill, who I want to talk a little bit about later because I wrote some about him when they signed him um, when the AAF collapsed. So I'm uh, I'm very intrigued by him. But like I said, we'll get into that. Yeah,
1: Garnett as a first round pick was was going to cost a, probably a little bit more than the 49ers were willing to spend on a on a backup guard. Um, so he's, he's done fine. He he's made 6.3 million, uh, in his career, actually closer to seven and a half, I should say. Um, but obviously the cap number going from a a former undrafted practice squad player on the Falcons, um, you know, the Niners are going to save a little bit on the margins there in terms of cap dollars. So the other notable player that the 49ers did not keep, which was actually, I think probably the most surprising cut was, was Jordan Matthews. Uh, The wide receiver, obviously, the veteran. But the 49ers really liked Matthews and and thought he had a really good camp. And I know we talked about it last week, Kyle Shanahan saying things like, you know, I know what we have in Jordan. I know we can win with Jordan, things like that. The 49ers decided to move on from Matthews, who I thought was going to be the the guy in the slot replacing Trent Taylor and and Jalen Hurd, who probably those two guys aren't going to play probably in week one against Tampa. And so Matthews was really the guy getting the most playing time in the slot. So the 49ers decided to keep Kendrick Bourne, uh, who had an up and down August. But I think the value with Bourne lies in his familiarity with the system and that he can be a good red zone target. And we saw that particularly in Denver in that uh, in that second preseason game. But moving on from Matthews, the most accomplished receiver on the roster. I know, obviously, signing a one year deal in the spring, it, it, it very little guaranteed money in that. Um I think you you could have probably prognosticated that he wasn't going to make the team going into camp, but as camp went on, it seemed like he was the most steady guy, and you heard nothing but positive things about his approach, and you know first guy in, last guy out, all that type stuff. One thing I heard, which was interesting, is he was a real big guy in, in terms of nutrition, uh, and and that sort of. Um, you know permeated through the rest of the receiving core in the the receiving room and Matthews is really the leader of that group and and so I thought he would make the team and I was a little bit surprised that he didn't uh I can understand why he didn't just because he's not the most talented guy in the world but uh just a little surprised given that I thought the 49ers were going to have him at least early in the year to to replace Taylor and Matthews in the slot
2: yeah, after what Kyle Shanahan said, I I wrote a piece at the Niners Wire that was basically like, all right, let's pencil Jordan Matthews onto the team, and then he didn't play much in the fourth preseason game, and it just had all the all the earmarks of Jordan Matthews was going to make the team, mm-hmm. and then and then they cut him, and it was something that that you had talked about earlier in the off season how you know this kind of felt like the Jeremiah Tauchu signing where it's a it's a veteran who was good early on but hadn't really lived up to expectations in the last couple of years and then gets cut. And that's pretty much what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it shows, it shows quite a bit of confidence in Kendrick Bourne because early on in the year with Trent Taylor out and Jalen Hurd likely out for week one, um, they might need to rely on Kendrick Bourne a little bit. So he obviously made enough plays in camp and in, in the preseason to warrant a spot. And, and he ultimately, he led the team and he led the receiving core in receiving yards last year. So they know he can produce in the NFL, and he's, he's going to have to to continue doing that to justify his roster spot.
1: For yeah, sure. so let's go through these position-by-position position breakdowns, and we'll get back to the to the receiver com- conversation in, in a second because it is going to be interesting how that group is put together in terms of where they play uh, early on in the season while while Taylor and Hurd are, are coming back from their injuries. But obviously we've got to start at quarterback. Uh, no surprise the 49ers kept three, and it's what Kyle Shanahan has has reiterated the last two weeks – that the plan is to keep two or three quarterbacks, two backups to Jimmy Garoppolo. They kept Nick Mullins and CJ Bethard. Shanahan is going to tell those guys which one is going to be the starter on Monday. Uh, I would guess it's going to be Nick Mullins. I would be shocked if it wasn't Nick Mullins, but you know, the John Lynch said that the 49ers fielded calls in the, in these last couple weeks and, and teams were, were interested in, in, you know, trading for the 49ers with the, or trading for those quarterbacks with the 49ers. And, And the price was simply too high. The 49ers had a price in mind. I know I mentioned last week that I wouldn't move off of either of those guys unless I got a fifth round pick. I would imagine that that's where the 49ers were. That was the ballpark in terms of what they were looking for. And they just didn't get that despite maybe, you know, the Colts needing a backup, the Packers needing a backup. uh, Seattle now needs a backup. Denver needing a backup. There are a lot of teams who could use a backup quarterback. And the 49ers said, well, this is our price. We like all of these guys we're going to, we're fine with keeping 3 and we're not in a, in a in a rush to get rid of one of them so the 49ers kept them and uh and you know I, I think it's a lot of people talk about oh Kyle Shanahan keeping three quarterbacks that's stupid he doesn't need to like i look at the the way the entire roster breaks down and i don't think keeping three quarterbacks is the most questionable decision the 49ers made when it come when it came to constructing this roster they have four tight ends and 10 defensive linemen. And I know Contavia Street is going to get the the return designation and go on IR opening up a roster spot. But it like three quarterbacks isn't really burdensome given the way the 49ers constructed this thing. It's, it's the surplus of defensive linemen, the surplus of tight ends, and the fact that you had to keep seven receivers because of the injury issues that you're dealing with early in the year. So you only have three. You have five linebackers, which is a little bit light. And you obviously only have three safeties, which is a little bit light too. Um, But I don't look at it like, oh, the Niners made a mistake in in keeping C.J. Bethard. Uh, I I think the issue is like Caden Smith or Julian Taylor, guys that you could probably get to the practice squad that are still on the roster that you're keeping, which is costing other guys like Jeff Wilson Jr. roster spots. So. Overall, I'm fine with the 49ers keeping three quarterbacks. I I went through it last week, and and you can go back and listen then. But I just I just find quarterback, you know, a much more valuable position, particularly when you have somebody who's experienced within your system, and you have a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo who has not played a full season yet.
2: Yeah, and that's that's ultimately you hit the nail on the head there. When you look at the 49ers roster up and down, there's not a player they got rid of outside of. Like you said, Jeff Wilson Jr. had a productive preseason. But how much how much was he actually going to play? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Elijah Lee, um, you know, was was he going to get on the field very much outside of special teams? So I, I think you, you keep three quarterbacks because you don't want – I mean, C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins aren't ever going to start and win a Super Bowl probably, but they're valuable backups. And Jimmy Garoppolo is coming off an ACL tear, and if he winds up getting hurt again – uh, you don't want to handcuff yourself where you have to, to call up Wilton Spate or go sign Tom Savage or something. Right. So I, I think you, you keep those guys and and just hope, like I said, hope like heck that, that it never becomes an issue and they don't have to play.
1: Right. Like you're better off having a quarterback who knows a system who can competently run the offense. Not necessarily somebody who's going to take you to the playoffs, but if you lose Garoppolo, your season's in the tank. But in order to still develop the rest of the roster, you need competent quarterback play. You are basically, I mean, obviously you're punting on the season if you lose your starter again from a wins loss, you know, postseason perspective. But you still have a roster you need to develop. And if 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 Wilton Spate is in a quarterback for you, you're going to have issues developing the rest of your roster because you're not going to have a quarterback who's competent enough. So there is value in that. Uh, And somebody like Jeff Wilson, Jr. So let's go to running back right now. The Niners kept Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert, and Kyle for four running backs, which is the same number they've kept the last two years. I had Jeff Wilson Jr. making the team because the 49ers needed depth badly um, at at halfback the last couple seasons because of injuries. And obviously, Jeff Wilson Jr. got starts last year because of the injuries at tailback. So, I, you know, I'm fine. Like, Tevin Coleman doesn't have really any injury history, so I'm fine there. Matt Breida although he dealt with an ankle issue basically throughout the entire season last year, he only missed a a game or two, I think at the end of the season. Um, So I think you're fine keeping four, but the point being like, you know, quarterback is much more valuable than a running back. You can pick up a street free agent or Austin Walter. And I, I, I actually think maybe by the time this comes out, Jeff Wilson Jr. gets picked up by another team, but it's also extremely possible that Jeff Wilson Jr. just goes onto the practice squad and he's there for the whole year and available to the 49ers yep. whenever they need him. So, yep, I find keeping C.J. Beathard is far more valuable than a running back who you know you is is basically replacement level, right? Um, so, I don't really have any issues with the, what the 49ers did at running back. What are your thoughts?
2: I don't. No, I, I'm right there with you. The, uh, Jeff Wilson, ultimately, as good as he was in the preseason, he's an NFL running back to me. And if a team picked him up, I, it would make a lot of sense. But like you said, it's completely reasonable to think he clears waivers and the 49ers scoop him back up onto the practice squad. And then they use him if one of their running backs gets hurt. I mean, that's an entirely realistic scenario that might play out. But he had fumbling issues last year. Uh, he averaged, I think, four yards a carry. He didn't get in the end zone. And yeah, that was with, with Nick Mullins at quarterback, but It's not like he averaged six yards a carry on 150 attempts last year. We have a pretty limited sample size of Jeff Wilson in the regular season, and I think the 49ers, that's a little bit more what they're basing it off of. And it was going to be a stretch to keep four running backs, even when we thought Jarek McKinnon was going to be healthy. So Jeff Wilson Jr. probably wasn't going to suit up on Sundays, and even if he did, he probably wouldn't see the field very much. So it makes sense. Like we knew the Niners were going to have to cut NFL level players, and that's what they did in this instance. They they kept three running backs, which is four if we're counting Kyle Yuzcheck. So they they kept four running backs, which is normal, and and then cut the outlier. I think that's I think that's completely reasonable.
1: Yeah, and and the backlash to you know the decision to cut Jeff Wilson Jr. is oh this guy's good. I can't believe you're getting rid of him. Stupid, whatever. Every team has a, their own version of Jeff Wilson Jr., a, a running back basically on the fringes of the roster who has a good preseason, largely because he's playing against backups, who a lot of people think should make the team because they play well in those exhibition games. You know, like, so it's not a unique situation. And it, it, the, the other side of that is that all these guys are available. Like you can go get a running back on the back end of a roster somewhere or a practice squad. Anywhere in the league, you know, like any running back on a practice squad, you can snag. So if there's an offense that's similar to Kyle Shanahan's a zone scheme that you like, you can just go get him. So like these, you know, Jeff Wilson might be good, but he's very much a replacement level player who you can who you can replace during the season without without any issue. So let's talk about receiver. Yeah, let's let's Uh, revisit this this receiver discussion a little bit. So obviously, Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, Kendrick Bourne, Richie James Jr. Uh, Who am I missing? Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor. So seven receivers is a lot. Obviously, ideally, you'd like to have six. But because you're dealing with injuries to two guys, you keep seven. So you're going to have presumably all five active week one. And the question is, how are these guys deployed? So Dante Pettis has played Z receiver, which is Pierre Garcon's spot. Uh, Debo Samuel has played X, which is essentially Marquise Goodwin's spot. Though Goodwin is going to play a little bit of a different role. Maybe you'll see some F going forward. And and the Niners are going to have to mix and match a little bit. F is that slot position. You think about Taylor Gabriel and what he was able to do as a deep threat in Shanahan's offense with the Falcons. I think that's what the 49ers ultimately envision with Goodwin. The question becomes what happens on like third and six, right? When, when you need somebody like Trent Taylor in there to, to provide a, some, a, a target in the middle of the field, I'm fascinated to see where the 49ers go because all of their receivers could play the slot. Like Pettis could play the slot. I actually think Debo Samuel might be, might be the guy who ends up getting more time in the slot than we initially thought because of his tenacity, because of his fearlessness. Uh, That might be his role early on in the season. And then, you know, maybe, maybe it's Richie James, but the 49ers do have options there. I think just about everybody except for Kendrick Bourne, can play the slot all those guys who are going to be available week one so there isn't like a perfect fit to replace Trent Taylor because his skill set was so unique among the other receivers but there are guys who can do it and maybe Kyle Shanahan will have to get a little bit creative with his passing attack and maybe he just relies heavily on 21 and 12 personnel with two running backs and two tight ends instead of three receivers so you don't necessarily even have a slot guy Um, but that'll be interesting to see headed into week one how the 49ers figure that that whole slots receiver thing out.
2: Yeah. And with the 11 personnel, they ran that less than any other team in the league last year. So they don't rely super heavily on three receiver sets anyways. And Kyle Shanahan talked about, I think it was you that wrote about it at owners meetings, or or we talked about it on the podcast that he wanted more versatility out of his receiver group. And when you look at this group outside of Kendrick Bourne, it feels like everybody can do a little bit of everything, which I think is helpful for, for a coach who wants to have have variety with his with his personnel and with his formations and what he can do out of out of those formations with that personnel. So uh I, I think when you look at this group of receivers, yeah, there's a lot of question marks in terms of uh, potential productivity, but I feel much better about the receiving core this year for the 49ers than I have really since 2020. 12
1: or 13-ish. Yeah, so I, I agree with everything you said. So that, that'll be fascinating to see as as the season goes on, how these guys progress, because there are so many question marks and and so many young guys. I mean, really, Marquise Goodwin is is the most experienced one, and, and Kendrick Bourne, obviously the most productive last year. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how Pettis Samuel and, and Jalen Hurd really develop as the season goes along. Uh, so let's go to tight end probably the most questionable decision just in terms of roster construction, keeping four of them, um, keeping six round pick, Caden Smith, keeping Ross Dwelly, keeping Levine toy Lolo. Obviously George Kittle is a headliner of that group. And in an ideal world, you give him about 80% of the snaps and then let the other guys just sort of fill in around, along the margins. But, um, it was surprising to see him keep four. I thought it was going to be Ross Dwelly or Caden Smith uh, towards the end, particularly after after Dwelly didn't play in the preseason finale and Kyle Shanahan said he's seen enough from him. I, I just penciled him in as a third tight end and and put Caden Smith on the practice squad. And, and I do think the 49ers probably could have gotten Caden Smith through waivers to the practice squad. Um, so it was surprising to see four. In terms of Toy Lolo, like I think he's the best blocker outside of Kittle of those three guys, and he's probably going to get the most snaps, assuming everybody's healthy, uh, just as a pure blocking tight end in the in the same role that Garrett Selleck had last year. I think Selleck only had five catches or whatever it was, but he Selleck is a good blocker, and, and Toy Lolo is a really good blocker, and I think we saw that in the preseason and training camp. So it wasn't surprising at all to see Toy Lolo make the team, uh, but it was surprising to see the 49ers keep both Dwelly and Smith.
2: Yeah, I thought for sure when I when I made my initial 53 man roster projection, I had them keeping all four tight ends, mostly because I just couldn't decide which one would stick around and which wouldn't. And that seemed like a lot. And the fact they're keeping four, I'm not maybe they they didn't think Smith would clear waivers or something and they want to keep him to to help him develop. But it's an interesting choice for sure, and not one with some of the numbers issues they have at other positions that I thought they would make, but Kyle Shanahan clearly has a has a plan for for each of those guys and i'm I'm very intrigued to see if four tight ends means more two tight end sets this year or more more big sets or Or what? But Levine Toilolo hasn't been the most versatile player in his career. His receiving production has been pretty low. But as we saw last year, when you have a player like George Kittle on the roster, you don't need your second tight end to do a lot in the passing game. So maybe he just likes what those guys do as blockers and the fact that defenses have to at least respect them a little bit in the passing game. Um, uh, like I said, an, in, an interesting choice to say the least.
1: Yeah, Levine Toilolo has missed one game in, in six seasons. So he's played 95 games over the last six years. So he's he's durable. He's obviously not a robust pass catcher, like you said. He has 95 catches over those six seasons for 986 yards and eight touchdowns, never scoring more than two touchdowns in a season. So clearly he's he's going to be, a blocking tight end and and I would imagine he is going to be second on the 49ers in snaps. So we'll have to see how the 49ers deploy Dwelly and Smith. John Lynch did did say today in that conference call that Dwelly was probably the most improved player on the 49ers roster throughout training camp and and he did look pretty good as a pass catcher uh, during training camp in the preseason, although he was a target of three of Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions during that five interception practice. Uh, and it did take him a little bit to you know a little bit of time to to connect in Kansas City when Garoppolo actually you know played pretty well in, in that third preseason game. There were some issues that those two had. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a little confusing keeping both Dwelly and Smith. We'll have to see how long the 49ers have four tight ends on the roster. I'd imagine aside from Contavious Street, I would imagine Smith might be the one on the way out at some point. During the season, if the 49ers need to make a roster a roster move to, to add to another position. So let's go to the offensive line. Uh, the Niners kept eight and eight is a little bit thin. I think they've kept nine the last two years. I would have to go go back and check. Don't quote me on that. But I know they've kept more than eight. Joe Staley, uh, Mike McGlinchey, Mike Person, Lakin Tomlinson, Western Richburg, of course, are your starters. Your backups are Ben Garland, Daniel Brownskill, and Justin School, a six-round pick from Vanderbilt. School was another one, along with Caden Smith, surprised me to make the team because he wasn't particularly good uh, in training camp or the preseason, though he did have a nice pancake block on Jeff Wilson's 41-yard touchdown run um, the other night against the Chargers. But overall, the Niners do not have a ton of depth here. Um, I don't think there's really any other way to to put that. I, you You are basically looking at this group hoping that all five of those starters stay healthy like they did f- throughout most of last year. Obviously, Richburg had his leg injury that that really hurt him uh, in early in week four, and he ended up just missing one start, but he clearly wasn't the same guy. But keeping the offensive line healthy is really tantamount to the 49ers having success on offense because school is not particularly good as your backup tackle. Daniel Brunskill has been on the practice squad for the Atlanta Falcons the last two years. And he played in the AAF during the off season. And Ben Garland is, Ben Garland's fine. I mean, if Ben Garland's your backup center and, and your backup guard, I think you're doing okay. But if Daniel Brunskill is really your top, you know, guard tackle type swing guy, I think you might be in trouble. And I'm very curious to see how this thing would shake out if they did suffer an injury along the offensive line, because, I think the interior of the line is probably the weakest point of the offense.
2: Yeah, and it's not a position that's particularly going to not going to be particularly rich on on the waiver wire. Like teams don't just give away good linemen and teams probably aren't super eager to trade their good offensive line depth because it's it's hard to find those guys. So it'll be interesting to see what the 49ers do. Daniel Brunskill's intriguing because he played tight end in college and then moved to tackle and spent some time with the Falcons on their practice squad and then played tackle in the AAF. And then was the first player in the game at guard for Mike Person in the third preseason game, which I thought was pretty interesting. So maybe he's just developed really well and and they like the direction he's going, but we knew that offensive line depth was going to be a problem to begin with. And the the way the 53-man roster shook out really just... Kind maybe Brunskill
1: it. can be the fifth tight end. Maybe this maybe this offensive line thing is just a misnomer and they had him on the team so they can actually have five tight ends because four isn't enough.
2: Or maybe Toy Lolo at 6'8 270 is gonna play a little tackle.
1: Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about the NFL. There, there's a lot of talk about football in the NFL becoming a positionless sport. So maybe Kyle Shanahan's just way ahead of the curve with, with Brunskill and Toy Lolo.
2: Maybe that's why Jimmy Garoppolo looked so bad against Denver because he's been working so hard at safety. Good point. Really, really honest <laughs> stuff. All right, let's let's take a
1: quick break to talk about my bookie, guys. It's a brand new football season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. If you have not heard, Le'Veon what? Bell, the running back, he's with the Jets.
2: Yeah, the Steelers. Are, what? Get out yeah, of Odell
1: town, Beckham Chris. Jr., the guy who makes all the one-handed catches. The uh, he he yeah, plays the for the Cleveland guy. Browns.
2: Get out of my face. No, You're lying.
1: Dead, dead serious. Is this your fantasy team? No, it's not my fantasy team. But I can promise <laughs> you the one thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down to bet on all the games. MyBookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using MyBookie.com slash BlueWire to sign up this year my bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book period this year they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest where first place is guaranteed to win at least one hundred thousand dollars and it only costs a hundred dollars to enter that's a lot of cheese all you got to do is pick five nfl games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool my bookie is live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, talking to you Kyle, you can even bet. That's me. You can even bet the over/under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit mybookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E, and don't forget to use the promo code Blue Wire when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Mybookie.com/slash/bluewire. All right, so let's let's go to the other side of the football, shall we, and talk about the defense. And let's start with linebacker, where the 49ers went a little bit light. And there was, uh, for me, it was a, it was difficult to decide whether or not the 49ers would keep five or six linebackers. They ended up going with five, which, you know, so they're going to keep Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, obviously. Rookie Dre Greenlaw, probably the favorite to start at Sam Linebacker. Uh, undrafted free agent. Aziz Al-Shayer made the team over David Mayo and Elijah Lee, which is very interesting. And then Mark Inzaccha, who had an interception on Thursday and is a favorite of special teams coordinator Richard Hightower, is the last linebacker and obviously one of the team's best special teams players. Uh, shout out to Germany. Maybe Mark Inzaccha can make the Pro Bowl this year, thanks to all those votes coming out of uh, coming out of Germany. But so obviously. David Mayo and Elijah Lee are, are sort of the headliners in terms of guys not making the team. Aziz Al Shayer played very well during the preseason. He was a guy the 49ers really liked in terms of the tape he put on on film at Florida Atlantic. He suffered an ACL tear and an MCL tear. Uh, but, you know, the 49ers are really surprised about how quickly he came back and, you uh, and and he was, you know, Chris Kiffin, the, the 49ers pass rush specialist coach, he he recruited Aziz Al-Shair uh, back when he was a defensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic. So it's easy to see where the where the connection was. And and the 49ers just thought, you know, this guy probably would have been drafted a, a you know a day two pick, maybe, or probably maybe round four round five, something like that, if he were healthy coming out. But after suffering his knee injury and non-contact injury, in October during a practice in college to come out, be full go at the start of training camp and win, win a roster spot over veterans who the 49ers likes, particularly for their special teams value in Mayo and Lee, I think is really impressive. And, and Alshair is going to get a lot of coverage this season. There's, there's one thing I know about NFL coverage. Aziz Alshair is going to get his name in the paper. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
2: If there's one thing you know about it, well, I may or may not be working (laughs) on something
1: with him. Um, Not with him, but about him in the coming days. We'll we'll see how this how this goes. But,
2: dude, spoiler! I know.
1: I know. Nobody take my Aziz Al shahir idea.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was he was such a uh, a fun player to watch. When you go back and and you look at what he did in college, he was just kind of all over the place in college, and his numbers reflect that. And he came back from a from a pretty horrific knee injury so I'm I'm interested to to see him for sure he'll probably only be a special teams contributor early on um, at least early on in his career Um, but I'm I'm excited to watch uh, a player like that because he's one of those guys that just it felt like in every preseason game he was doing one or two things that that made you kind of you know snap back to what you were doing and and uh, it made you interested in the game. I was going to try and word that differently, but that's all there is to Snap say. Snap
1: back to reality.
2: Uh, yeah, oops, there goes yeah. gravity. All right, so uh, let's,
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on to the defensive line where the 49ers kept 10, uh, which is a lot. And it's going to be nine after Sunday because Contavia Street is most likely going to get, gonna go on injured reserve. He suffered some sort of setback with his surg- surgically repaired knee. You remember he tore his ACL in a pre-draft workout before the 49ers took him in the fourth round in 2018. Uh, so and a roster spot is going to open up elsewhere. So we'll have to see how the 49ers fill that. So it's ultimately going to be nine defensive tackles or defensive linemen, unless the 49ers replace Street with another one, and then it'll be back to 10. Um, obviously, Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Ronald Blair are your natural you know, edge rushers. DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, DJ Jones, Sheldon Day, Julian Taylor, and Street. So I think the name that I really thought was the most interesting was Julian Taylor because the 49ers asked him to gain 30 pounds this offseason because they want him to work more exclusively at defensive tackle, which makes sense because they're, you know, they, they do have a lot of defensive tackles, but they're on the lighter side. Uh, I really like DeForest Buckner's only one who DeForest Buckner and the nose tackles, DJ Jones and Sheldon Day are really the only guys who are close to 300 pounds. So getting Taylor into that range makes sense, but, I kind of thought getting Taylor to the practice squad was a distinct possibility. I don't know that he's done much in the league and he obviously has health concerns, uh, which was a reason why he was a seventh round pick in 2018 out of Temple. I just thought that the, that 10th defensive line spot, you could have done a little bit more with, the, with, with that spot and, and maybe put Taylor on the practice squad to give your roster a little bit more flexibility. But on the other hand, perhaps Taylor is going to be a long-term replacement for somebody like Eric Armstead, who's entering a contract year, or Ronald Blair also entering a contract year. Uh, so it does make sense to keep him around to develop him. I just think you probably could have got Taylor through waivers to the practice squad and where you could continue to develop him there. And that's really my only thought about the D-line because it looks, otherwise it looks pretty good.
2: We have to address DeMontre Moore, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, let's do it. I <laughs> think
2: There was just, uh, there was, and I know that this is such a small segment of of fans, but people on on the internet, on Twitter specifically, were very upset that DeMontre Moore was not part of the 49ers 53-man roster initially mm-hmm. because he had two sacks against the Chiefs and led the team with nine quarterback hits in the preseason. But the fact of the matter is, is we see this every year with a player who dominates in the preseason and then doesn't make the roster. Shout out to Marcus Rush, and and you get you get why because we don't get most fans don't get to see practices. Most fans don't get to see what goes on behind the scenes, and so the preseason games are are the only the only exposure we have to to the guys lower on the on the depth chart. So. A player like Moore comes out, shows out in the preseason, and it's like on a team that needs help in the pass rush, that's the type of player that should make the team. But the fact is, is Demontre Moore was a third-round pick in 2013. He didn't do anything in 2013. He had nine and a half sacks over the next two seasons, five and a half one year for the next year, and since then has half a sack. He couldn't crack the rotation with the Raiders last year, who had, I think, 18 sacks for the entire season. Demontre 13. Moore is 13? 13. It was, oh, oh I looked it up today. I overshot it at 18. I overshot it at I 18.
1: Almost, I almost <laughs> clapped back at, at somebody on, on Twitter today. And I mean, Demontre Moore, look, the 49ers, Dick, Nick Bosa and D Ford are the 49ers' top two edge rushers. Okay, so the 49ers would go with Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, and Ronald Blair before they got to Demontre Moore, who doesn't have versatility to play inside, Right. So you're limited in roster spots. So essentially like he's, he's what your fourth string defensive end, if you keep him on the 53 man roster or one of your four stringers. Um, So let's, let's go back through this Demontre Moore, the Niners would have been his sixth team. Like you mentioned, he played two games last year on the Raiders late in the season. Obviously they had the worst pass rush in the NFL and he contributed one tackle in two games with the Cowboys uh, five tackles in three games with the Seahawks, seven tackles in four games. Obviously tackles are, are not a an indicator of, of your production. But the point being, like, if this guy were any good, he wouldn't have bounced around on you know, he wouldn't be looking for his sixth team in the NFL this season.
2: He wouldn't he wouldn't have been in the Alliance of American football. Right. Like what are we doing? Right.
1: So Demontre Moore did really well against third and fourth string players in the preseason. How many third and fourth string players would DeMontre Moore go up against if he were active on game days during the regular season? The answer is very close to zero, right? Unless some weird stuff happens with injuries. So the book is out on DeMontre Moore. He's played in 54 games in the NFL. He has never been a coveted player since bouncing from the Giants and having uh, you know, having a five and a half sack season in 2014 and a four sack season in 2015. There's been a whole slew of evidence saying Demontre Moore is not a good player, with the exception of what he did in the preseason this year. And like you said, this is the classic Marcus Rush syndrome. It's actually like I'm going to start calling the, the guy who does this next year. I'm going to start calling him Demontre Moore the same way I called Demontre Moore Marcus Rush this year because that's sort of where this is going. Like,
2: Pass that torch, right. baby. Pass that torch. Yeah,
1: so there's always going to be a player who's ultra productive in the preseason against against future insurance salesmen who fans are going to freak out about it. And look, I understand because we think preseason matters, but ultimately it doesn't. It lies to you. It, it, it shows you things that are happening on the football field. That don't actually pertain to what's happening in, in coaches' minds. Kyle Shanahan said it this year. He values training camp and what happens on the practice field way more than preseason games. So that's one of my many issues with the preseason is that it just lies to the viewer. Uh th- you know, people think, and and look, nobody talked about Valawaga. Like he he had four and a half sacks. And Nobody's like clamoring for him to make the team, which is a little bit odd. He was impactful, impactful in the preseason. All right, so that's our piece. Yeah,
2: very much that's was. our
1: piece on the defensive line. Um, Don't at us. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. You're probably going to get ignored <laughs> if you're uh, if you're coming at us with some some hot DeMontre Moore takes. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Maybe DeMontre maybe Moore goes to the Patriots and has 12 sacks this year and wins Super Bowl MVP for forcing a fumble against Carson Wentz or whatever. But uh, I think. The smarter money is probably on Demontre Moore, maybe going to a team, not getting much playing time, and then trying to find a job again. And that's not any disrespect to Demontre Moore because he seems like a nice guy. We talked to him a little bit. Uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed listening in on, on his scrums with the reporters, but I just think the jury's out. Like we know what he is as a football player. And that's somebody who might be good in the preseason, probably not ultra valuable valuable in the regular season uh anyway let's move on to the secondary so at cornerback the 49ers kept six which is is about what we expected there are no surprises here and and similar to receiver that the 49ers are dealing with injuries earlier in the season to jason verrett and kwan williams who both made the cut obviously richard sherman akella witherspoon dj reed jr and emmanuel mosley are the other corners um really aside from sherman and akella witherspoon this isn't the typical tall, long-armed cornerback group—you know that, the, that the, the archetype that the Seahawks kind of created—you um, have more, more quickness. Uh, you know, more versatile players here. In terms of Arete, he can play inside or outside. Emmanuel Mosley can play inside or outside. Um, DJ Reed can play inside or outside, and both safety spots, which is which could help the 49ers when we talk about safety here in a minute. Um, but overall, no surprises here. Uh, Akela Witherspoon is probably going to start. Jason Verrett is probably going to come back at some point in September. We don't really know yet. one uh, Williams worked out heavily on Saturday. He could go week one. One of the interesting things I thought we saw in the third preseason game that we already talked about was Jimmy Ward playing in the slot and then Tarvarius Moore coming onto the field and playing free safety. Uh, that's an interesting little wrinkle, so I wonder how that will change if it does change when Williams comes back. But overall I think a um no no surprises in terms of final cuts but this is a really interesting position and a lot is is going to fall on the shoulders of Akella Witherspoon because the 49ers absolutely need him to be good because nobody's going to throw a Richard Sherman.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's that's <laughs> I think that's probably right. Um I'm I don't want to say I'm surprised Jason Verrett made it. Because he wasn't so significantly hurt that he's not going to play this year, but when they signed him, it was very much a, a question mark whether a he was going to be able be ready to play, and b if he was going to make it through the preseason healthy. So uh, that was something that I was really excited just for him as a as a person to to battle back from from that Achilles tear last year and to get onto the roster, uh, the the fifty three man roster, and he's going to be active on game days. Like they're going to need him to play. So. Um, I I'm, I'm pretty excited for Jason Verrett. And, and if he winds up playing at the level that he was playing, uh, before he really started getting hit with all these injuries, that's going to be a huge signing for the 49ers. And he's going to be able to contribute uh, pretty much right away.
1: They think ultimately that he can get back to the player he was when he went to the pro bowl in 2015. They, they, they think they saw enough during training camp when he was there before he got hurt. I want to say it was August 7th when he twisted the ankle the same day that that Nick Bosa twisted his ankle um, they thought there were signs of him returning to that player and obviously that would be a, a huge upgrade over what we saw from Mikela Witherspoon last year so it's sort of a wild card the 49ers are ho- holding out hope that they can get there with ferret i'm dubious just because it's only been you know 5 games that he's played since 2015 so we'll have to see if he can stay healthy but if he if he can get healthy and get to that level, it could be a huge signing for the 49ers. But obviously, you know, injuries are a big deal, and, and he's dealt with a lot of them. Let's go to safety. The Niners only kept three. John Lynch said in his conference call today that that could be the position where the 49ers add another body with Contavious Street going on injured reserve. So they, the three are Jimmy Ward, Jaquaski Tart, to Moore. more. Obviously, the thing that stands out about this, Marcel Harris did not make the cut, which was a little bit surprising given that he was the only other you know natural strong safety that the 49ers had who who seemed like he was on the bubble at least to to make this team so we'll have to see how this goes Jaquaski Tart has missed a little bit more than half the the games the last two years with with various injuries uh, Jimmy Ward obviously we've talked at length about his injury history so it could be that DJ Reed is, is going to be, you know, the backup safety, both at the strong and free spots. You have Tavarius Moore who can play corner two, providing depth to the cornerback group. Obviously he can play both safety spots. Now you move on from Adrian Colbert, who was waived injured with a hamstring injury. I thought he could have made the team if healthy, just simply to, to play special teams since he was essentially, you know, a third string safety throughout training camp, but um, three is thin and you're, th- Two of your three guys have been really injury-prone lately, so the 49ers are crossing their fingers and, and hoping that Ward and Tart can stay healthy because they need them to because they started something like 74 combinations of safeties last year, and they do not want a repeat of that situation.
2: It's 73 combinations. Sorry, okay, no, wait, man Clean it up. Might be. Um, re- re- real quick, the, the thing that intrigued me the most about this... Is that the 49ers had so many opportunities in the offseason to either sign or draft a safety? The safety market was really good in free agency. There were a ton of good prospects, including Nasir Adderley, who had an interception and a pass breakup. I'm sorry, not an interception, but a pass breakup against the 49ers in the preseason. He had an interception, yep. Oh, okay. So he did have an interception less time on Instagram, more
1: time grinding tape.
2: That you know what? Great point. Um So, so they had so many opportunities to add safeties. And then John Lynch said in his presser today that they're not ruling out adding another safety. And I I think that's, I think that's interesting that they'd wait until now to assess their roster and decide that they weren't deep enough at that position.
1: Right. And so this is where keeping four tight ends, 10 defensive linemen, uh you know seven receivers to a certain extent three quarterbacks you know you look at those positions that might be a little bit more bloated than they would be traditionally and then you see only three safeties with all the injuries that you've dealt with to your starters these last few years and you wonder okay is this the best way to do it you know i don't know that marcel harris was one of the you know 53 best players i i I, that's up for debate It, it wouldn't actually surprise me at all if marcel harris ends up on the practice squad because i would you know that would make sense and maybe they just bring him up to the active roster if they if they do deal with an injury elsewhere or maybe they find somebody else but yeah i mean the the big thing when it just comes to numbers at positions is the way some of those other spots were a little bit more bloated which led to keeping just three safeties and and like you mentioned surpassing all those opportunities in the offseason to add to that position You know, we'll have to see. I think the 49ers are probably going to do what they did in the secondary this upcoming offseason, the same thing they did with the pass rush last offseason, in that they're going to invest in cornerbacks because you have to find a replacement for Richard Sherman. Uh, You may or may not need to find an upgrade over Akela Witherspoon. And Jimmy Ward is entering a contract year, and you don't know about the long term viability of Jacowski Tart, who's going to be entering a contract year in 2020. So I think we might be talking about a completely revamped secondary in 2020, the same way we're talking about a completely revamped pass rush and defensive line in 2019. Yep. So I think they
2: have yeah. to.
1: So that'll be interesting. And and if there's an Achilles' heel on this team, uh, that's you know it's it's got to be an, it's got to be the secondary. And and the 49ers are are putting a lot on the fact that you know the pass rush can can mask some of the issues that they have back there. So we'll see if three safeties comes back to haunt them or not. Uh, I think that's all we got. Is there anything else you want to say about about roster construction? Are you excited for week one? We didn't even talk about
2: the eventual cutting of Colin Holba once Kyle Nelson gets back from his six-game suspension. Well, you know what?
1: That's going to be a competition that we can talk about in October.
2: <laughs> special teams gets its own pod. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, Kyle Nelson still has six games left on his PED suspension, so... Uh, that sort of delays the inevitable when it talks and talking about the the heated competition at long snapper uh the 49ers <laughs> gonna sorry. have
2: i'm sorry for delaying
1: this <laughs> um yeah robbie gold mitch Wisnowski, and colin holbo those are the specialists they made the cut yeah. stunning. Truly yeah, stunning
2: truly stunning stunning right, stuff uh
1: all right so next week we're gonna preview wow the regular season the regular season's here we're gonna talk about expectations for the whole year we're gonna preview the tampa bay game i will try not to lament the fact that i have to spend an entire week in youngstown ohio before the cincinnati game uh hopefully a hurricane won't blow us away in tampa bay next weekend uh but yeah we'll talk to you guys next week uh happy start of the regular season kyle i hope you i hope you enjoy it
2: thank goodness